there were stretches in the first half where it seemed like they stopped the bleeding a little bit. But no, there was never a time where it seemed more likely than not that the Redskins were going to win. Really stupid gimmick play they ran on first and goal from the five, where Cousins split out as a as a receiver, <laughs> and they direct snapped it to Rob Kelly, and he immediately got blown up by two guys. Um, you know that that to me said like we're trying anything now because we don't know what to do. Welcome in to the Thanksgiving edition of Burgundy Blogcast with my man Brent, who I know it's going to be hard to come up with one. This may be the first time since we've been doing the one-word trick since it's had to be a loss, but do you have a one-word to describe this game? Yeah, the word of the day today, Hayes, on this Thanksgiving holiday is frustrating. Frustrating, not thankful? Well, I am very thankful, but with regard to my, my Redskins, not today. Uh, yes, it was a 31-26 loss. Uh, some good things happened, and there's also a lot of mitigating factors. Short week, travel, all that other stuff. But since you're starting with frustrating, let's go ahead and talk about it. What uh, what was most frustrating? I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess because I watched the game. Red zone. Let's start there, and you can expand upon that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been frustrating all year with the exception of um, last week's uh, Sunday night explosion where they were four out of five scoring touchdowns in the red zone against the Packers. Today was more of what we had seen previously, especially in the first half, with uh, I think they were 0 for 3 on touchdowns in the red zone in the first half. Really brutal. Um, I think the game overall, yeah, the the game overall was frustrating because they, uh, I mean, uh, this this game was there for either team to take, and the Redskins blew, just, just blew a handful of opportunities in the first half to do more scoring and you know they could have had it they could have won it but they they couldn't couldn't close it out it was interesting um i watched the game a little bit disjointed i want full credit for the effort that i made on thanksgiving to devote the screen time to washington however thanksgiving (laughs) just got in the way and had other plans and a i had to get there a little bit late and then b there was some nodding off going on so i didn't feel like i got the really good feel of the game. I want to ask you, in me watching it rushed, after I sort of was catching up and saw those missed opportunities, I never felt like Washington was going to win the game. Was there ever a point in the game where you were like, I think we uh, we might do this? There was not, because obviously Dallas won the toss, elected to receive, which was smart. They had an emphatic long touchdown drive, dominant touchdown drive to begin with, and that really set the tone. There were stretches in the first half where it seemed like they had stopped the bleeding a little bit. But no, there was never a time where it seemed more likely than not that the Redskins were going to win. That's, that's kind of the feel that I got, and that to me would be kind of the most frustrating part. And, and it's, it, you've mentioned this, uh, I saw on Twitter a couple of times, hey, you know, Dallas is not a bad team, so that doesn't make this terrible or embarrassing. Yeah. You know, the better team won. You would like for your team to better be the better team, but right now Dallas looks like the better team and they played like the better team. But it would have been nice – uh, to have taken the lead at one point, to you know, eat. the the time that I felt most you know sort of hopeful for for Washington was uh, may, maybe right after the Deshaun Jackson touchdown, where it was like maybe they got a little momentum boost, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, but even then they yeah. obviously had some some work to do. Um, with, let's go specifically to the red zone. 
Do you have uh, theories? Is, is it come down to where that's maybe the offensive line matters more? And since that's not a strength, it's more of a getting by for, for the uh, for Washington? Or, or, I mean, I'm throwing that out there as just a possible. Do you have other theories as to what it is in the red zone? And even better than that, do you have solutions or prescriptions? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's multifactorial. Uh, my personal feeling is that it's, um, I mean, I think there are definitely execution problems. A lot of people feel, and one of the, one of the biggest remaining um, objections or questions about Cousins is that there's something about his game that's not as effective near the goal line. I don't yep. really, I don't, I don't personally put too much stock in that. And I think that a lot more of it has been the play calling. I think that they've shied away from the run a little too much in the red zone. They had success in the red zone with the run. Um, against the Packers, which which was you know by far their their best game of, in terms of red zone efficiency, um, I, I think you know um, some people feel, and I don't think that this is totally crazy, but Cousins, although I think he's got enough arm, there's some question as to whether he's got you know one of those laser rocket arms that can just shoot the thing into tight spaces all you know reliably, and clearly as you get down closer to the goal line, everything gets condensed. And it becomes a little bit more important to hit windows if you're packing, if you're throwing the ball into the red zone. So, you know, there's there's some degree of that. Today, I felt that it was obvious that the Redskins play callers, presumably Sean McVay in particular, were way deep inside their own heads. And the biggest example of that was this really stupid gimmick play they ran on first and goal from the five, where Cousins split out as a as a receiver and they direct snapped it to Rob Kelly and he immediately got blown up by two guys um you know that that to me said like we're trying anything now because we don't know what to do yeah and uh you know it was a total epic fail and you know they did that on second down then it became an obvious pass and then on third down it was an obvious pass and a lot of a lot of the time I feel like Cousins is passing in situations where they know he's going to be passing and it's obviously going to be hard all right this is again more of a, a question not not necessarily an observation that I've, I've had and we haven't talked much about it but we, we've talked about cousins sort of uh um excelling in areas where we thought might be weakness you know deep deep balls we saw again another nice deep ball to uh jackson all that that was almost a little bit of some of the play calling where going for it on third and one or going for a long ball on third and one that helped jackson get so open but well done all, all credit to him for getting the ball out there so some other nice balls we haven't talked a lot about you know how much of control he does of of changing plays with the line calling plays at the line and again i'm not suggesting that he doesn't do it we just haven't talked about it much and i don't know how much he does mm-hmm. is that something in the red zone that maybe would be more or maybe like you said if if people are knocking for him, then maybe it's something to look at. I'm I, I'm not looking for things to not to knock Kirk Cousins on, but where is yeah. it something where the QB should have a better? Hey, let's come up and look and see how they're playing this, and him decide whether to go run pass, or is there any indication that that that, that has or hasn't happened? He, him either been giving that control or making the wrong or right calls. I do think that's probably a little part of it. I mean, he has a fair amount of control, and there are you know, m- much of. There are many situations in every game where he has an opportunity to change the play, and he often does. And he usually, you know, as far as I can tell, based on reports from coaches and players, et cetera, um, he tends to be right. Um, perhaps he's, you know, not as adept at that, uh, you know, inside the 10-yard line or inside the 20. I'm not, I'm not sure. There's probably something to that. Um, it's not really, um, you know, one thing it, it, when you're looking at uh, talking in terms of 
run pass balance in, in, in inside the red zone. Um, you know, the Redskins clearly are, are a passing team. They pass more than, than average in general in games. So it's not such a um, such a shock that they pass more than they than they run, you know, when they get down in the red zone too, because to some extent you gotta kind of dance with who brung you. But um, you know, I think when they've been able to um, improve the balance, they've had better success, which to me says that's that's where they need to keep going. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year with SeatGeek. It's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found a shot for tickets. I could be anywhere. Just a few taps. I can find instantly seats for this weekend's game or any game all season long. Also, SeatGeek tells you the best value tickets there are, so it's not only good seats, it's a great price for them. Get $20 back when you use the SeatGeek app. Download the app. Go to the settings tab. Click add a promo code. Use the promo code BURGUNDY. That's right. Use BURGUNDY and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Use SeatGeek under the promo code BURGUNDY today. Uh, I find this interesting. I know that you don't. You probably don't pay attention to this at all. I don't even know if you ever have an idea of what the point spread in games are. But I'm. I, I, I watched the, it this week. I did. I did watch. Yeah. The thought did cross my mind of uh, of. I wonder just it, what percentage of your listeners slash readers slash fans followers at least took solace in the fact that the Redskins covered the, the seven-point spread or whatever. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear much about it on Twitter, but I'm sure there were plenty of them that noticed. Well, uh, it's it's always um, it's it's nice. It's always interesting when you're playing the Cowboys, although, although Washington's sort of a national brand too, so they're, they're going to um, get that effect too. The, w- some people always get pissed when they're like, oh my God, the Cowboys are favorites. Like The Cowboys are almost always going to be favorites on Thanksgiving yeah. Day at home, and that's not because yeah. people think they're better. It's because the average dude just wants to bet on the Cowboys and the Lions on Thanksgiving just to say they did, and that ends up affecting yeah. things. But I did find that interesting. It, I'd be curious. I, well, I also, I'm, I'm I, definitely, like you said, I'm, I'm not a betting man, but I actually thought this week it was especially interesting because um, – you know, the line opened at seven or eight, and there was a lot of sharp action on the Redskins. Uh, they they closed it to what five and a half, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it uh, the, the, as it got closer to game time, it felt like the public was kind of splitting. Yeah, it was too. Uh, I could say in, in certain areas uh, or certain regions where I have a little more knowledge of of what the the public is doing, uh, the public was going for was for Washington. I think. A seven-point spread yeah. is not one that you see in the NFL very often. I mean, that's usually reserved yeah. for, like, Patriots-Bills. It's just too many points. So if you have two good teams, <laughs> you would almost always take a touchdown. And uh, and yeah. so, so Washington did that. The other thing, we don't have to get into this, and I'm certainly not trying to make a, a gambling section of this podcast, but just as a study <laughs> of, of fans in general, I'm always curious – fans that are are more likely to bet for their team which means now you're rooting for them and you're going to be doubly pissed when they lose or the occasional fan who bets against their team so that when they lose and they're pissed hey. at least they can lick their wounds with some money yeah, yeah uh, but but uh, it'd be interesting if any of your your fans do that all right another thing that was a storyline that i know again you stick to the football you're a straight tape guy you get in there you like to talk the all 22s you don't pay attention to the personalities <laughs> and the flashiness and the talk like i do but 
people are going to be talking about Des Bryant and Josh Norman. Uh, I, I, I texted you if you had seen this. Have you seen that? Like Josh Norman had, had said that Des Bryant basically dropped some line about busting clips or something on him. Did you see this part? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I did just see that right before we started. Yeah. All right. Now, and I don't want to get into all that. I do find it hilarious and very 2016 that clearly Des Bryant, you know, was throwing out statements to anybody who, who wanted to hold a camera up to him as, as he was walking out, then immediately got on his phone and started looking for video evidence already on Twitter yeah. that he could use to uh, to bash uh, Josh Norman with. Uh, I, I just found that an interesting turn. Do, I'll ask you sort of as the more, again, I know you don't get into all the drama. Is I think it's relevant. I, I mean, it affects Well, I, no, no, I, I know, but... Uh, we talked. We, I made the Steve Smith comparison last week, where he walks that line, and that's where you get Josh Norman at his best when he's right near the line. Uh, do you worry at all about it catching up with him and becoming too much of a story, or or, or is it kind of a good thing because he's kind of getting in wide receivers' heads more than they're getting in his? I don't worry very much because that's. I mean, to me, it seems like a pretty big part of his game, and I think uh, I saw a tweet just from less than an hour ago um, from. Um, my guy Jamie Moss from at Mr. Irrelevant, and he said that he really liked the fact that Norman is already um, in the heads of the two best receivers in the NFC East. I think he said that that they're shook, and I think he's right. I mean, I think it's I I, I feel like it's more that they're shook than it is that he, that that the Norman is. I mean, he's of course referring to Odell Beckham and and now Des Bryant. Right. You know, Bryant said made a comment tonight about you know when we go back to and, and look at it, we'll see that he was wearing Norman out. But that, that doesn't seem to make any sense. I mean, depending on who you ask, Des uh, either caught only two or three passes on Norman for less than 40 yards today. So, um, and no touchdowns. I, I don't yeah. really know where he was going. Yeah, no Houston has any touchdowns in the last three, three times they've faced off. So, um, you know, I think it's part of his game. I think it works. It, you know, the, the one thing that there's, there's probably some, some truth to is that, you know, the more he talks, and especially the more he acts up on the field, I mean, there's no question that the refs are like paying extra close attention to him now. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think he had. Uh, did he have any penalties today? I can't remember. I don't remember any. seeing any. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's good. I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, it's who he is. I don't. He doesn't seem to psych himself out. And there's no question. I mean, I, I've stopped worrying about like, you know, it, it's interesting that this sort of for the Redskins' sake. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was kind of like extra concerned that he wouldn't just get, you know, roasted because then it, you know, it would just kind of like be this absurd failure of a huge contract. Well, he's long since sure. justified yep. the investment that they made in yep. it. And now, now the way I look at it is, he's going to be here for a while. He's going to have a bunch of matchups with both of these two stud receivers, and he's not going to win them all. I mean, they're all worlds. I mean, Beckham especially has has you know gotten a, gotten some action on him, and 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 sometimes. They're going to beat him, but that's fine. Like, you know, it, it doesn't, you can't expect, um, you know, the, the, the game is, is tilted towards the offense anymore anyway. So you certainly can't expect even the best corner to just erase, you know, all pro receiver every time. Um, um, but you know, I, I thought tonight, tonight he held his own. He did a good job. I don't really care what he says afterwards. And, and I don't follow at, at this point too closely, like exactly what, I mean, obviously they were drawing on and off the field but afterwards i mean who knows what they're saying these are two like total blowhards you know i mean des bryant a notorious blowhard too so <laughs> I'm, they're gonna say a bunch of stuff but you know whatever i think it's i think it's interesting and uh makes it exciting now i'm a hundred percent with you on 
the, the, the DB in general and Josh Norman in these matchups will maybe even more often than not come across as if fans are trying to tally who won or lost that matchup. I think oftentimes it, you say the wide receiver out of, uh, it's just, it's hard to win or, you know, get a decisive win as a battle as a D back. Yeah. And we've talked about this this year. I, I can't remember exactly what matchup it was. Maybe AJ green. Maybe I can't remember. And there was one or two last year where it was like that with Norman, where the receiver came off talking a lot of junk and maybe even the guy had decent yards or whatever. But ultimately when you watched the yeah. game, you were like, you know what? I, I was okay with my guy's performance. Like you, that, that receiver yeah. has gone off for 200 yards. There were, you know, two or three big pass break, pass breakups or one big tackle in the open field where I was like, you know, I'm okay with the plays that, 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 that my defensive back made on that. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. And on the fact that he's uh, absolutely justified his investment. So. Dealing with flesh and blood, but this is a fight against principalities and evil doers and unclean spirits. RTJ three Great man did it face down in the Vietnam muscle walking on style on you. And I said at the beginning of the season that I, I wanted to avoid making every single game a referendum on Kirk Cousins. And, you know, of course, we, like everyone else, have absolutely done that anyway. Now, but, I, I don't think so. Um, I think we laid off him for like three or four weeks. Seriously, I think if you go back and look, yeah, I, I, we yeah, did a good job of not talking about him. Yeah. And then he obviously, you know, put himself in the story. And we've only kind of talked about him, I feel like, negatively today. And didn't he throw for like 450 yards? He, he threw for, yeah, 449 and three. And, you know, the point I want to make tonight is uh, I just – I just don't even think that this is a thing anymore. I mean, I'm over it. It's, it's, he's, there's not anything else that you could realistically ask this man to do. He's, he's shown it. He showed it on Sunday night. He showed it on Thanksgiving, two big stages um, in, in big situations. And no, he stayed to win today. Yes, he probably could have done a little bit more in the red zone. But he, he, he has, at least for the past few games, he seems to be limiting these, you know, uh, unthinkable bonehead maneuver, you know, um, throwing into double coverage yeah. and, you know, taking a knee, yada, yada. Like, he's, he seems to be cutting, you know, limiting, limiting these mistakes. And he's finding his second half of the season groove again, just like he did last year. And he's just going off. I mean, the guy, the guy is proving to be reliable. There's absolutely no question that you could win with him. I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to elevate every other guy on the roster. But on a good day, he can. And he's not holding you back. And, I mean, you start looking at these numbers, and at some point you go, okay, yards, yards, yards. That doesn't mean as much as points or wins, but he, he's working. I mean, he and Gruden are clicking, and I, I think at this point, you know, basically RIP to the Cuz doubters because if you're still if you're still you know not convinced, you're you're really just sipping haterade right now. I mean, the guy um, he he's doing it. He, you have to be you have to be believing in him now. Yeah, I mean, people are even making music videos about the guys at this point. You know what I mean? How good can it get for? Um, no, if I'm with that, I, I will say, I think the, I'm not trying to be, I'm definitely not trying to be a hater. The red zone thing is something that I'll watch. Cause like currently it's like, uh, yeah, I feel I'm with you in that he's achieved like Andy Dalton status where it's like, this dude is a good starting quarterback and we could advance very far with him as long as we have a good team. You know, I think there are a couple things, some savviness about him that might, that, that and I, I don't think I'm not limiting to that. I'm saying that the the time will tell if he goes even above that to all right. This guy's a great starting quarterback, but again, I, I right. think he is right. he is in that Andy Dalton 
You know, he's he's not going to get talked about in the top three or four yet, five, six, but he's no, no one questions that this guy is a legitimate starting quarterback and is not holding any team back. As long as the team's ready to move forward, this quarterback will move forward with him. I, I think is a fair assessment. When we um, when we did our uh, when you gave me that homework over the bye and we did our QB rankings, you and I both had him in the in the late teams. Yeah, we need to do, sort of we need to do those again. I, I think yeah, I think he's, he's climbed the ladder a little bit in the last month. Um, and another thing I want to say with regard to the red zone that a lot of people have already forgotten is that last year, obviously, Cousins was the quarterback, and this team was not only uh, adequate but but good in the red zone. Huh. I, I don't really understand the drop off um, because they were either tenth or eleventh overall in red zone efficiency last year, um, and they, they they were scoring touchdowns at like a fifty six or fifty eight percent clip. And something has changed, but I don't see why it would be him. I mean, the rest of the game is clearly evolved. So I don't, I don't understand or I don't predict that that would be, um, you know, a career-long deficiency for him. But, uh, I, I mean, I get it. I get that he's not out there with all the physical tools that are just blowing you away on first blush. But to me, the whole, the whole question here is becoming academic, and pretty soon it's going to become not if, but how much are they going to say him. Yeah. All right, maybe because it's Thanksgiving or maybe because I'm soft. I'm going to do – I'm not going to read the whole text, but I'm going to pull from Ken's notes to ask you, did you think there was enough pressure on Dak Prescott? Ken mentioned red zone, which we've already hit on, and say, he said no, not enough pressure on Dak Prescott. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I thought that they would do a better job. I don't know if Ken's asking more about um, team and blitzes or just, you know, what, what, why, why is it that they were unable to get to him? I mean, I thought – that Kerrigan and Preston Smith and Trent Murphy and Chris Baker would be able to get to him a little better than they did. I mean, we all, everyone knows Dalton's offensive line is great. They probably did need to throw more rushers at him and get be a little more exotic and let Cravens try and rush off the edge a little bit. Um, I, I thought an even more important part of the game, though, was that um, that Cousins was feeling a lot of pressure, especially in the first half. Yep. And and Dallas' defense is not known for that. I mean, they've had a they've had a really hard time getting to the quarterback. Um, the Redskins did not allow a sack today, so it kind of looked like this, you know that they really held up. But he was uh, Cousins was hit as as much in the first half tonight as I think he probably was in a half or even in any game all year leading up to this point. So. That was a big surprise to me because Cousins is excellent from a clean pocket and it was not as clean as, as they would have liked. Let's move on to the real notes, the only notes that matter, Brent's notes. Uh, let's go. And you've got a spaced out first half and second half, I believe. All right, let's start in the first half with Zeke eating. Um, I'll let you talk, and then I've got another question for you. Zeke well, I wrote that, you know, after that first drive that we talked about. I mean, he looked, I think he went for 45 yards or something on the first drive of the game, and it just looked like he was going to break records. But after that, they did a pretty good job of bottling him up in the first half. Um, but but he was going off and doing that stupid little soup eating thing he does after every first first down. <laughs> All right, that, you, you hit my follow up question. It was going to be how do you feel about <laughs> this maneuver? Can you respect it even as an opponent uh, as a cool move or no? And and it sounds like I hate it. And my next note that I'll just jump to was when, when I wrote that Baker was eating because Chris Baker had a really nice play where he stopped him for a three or four yard loss, and then Baker did the, the soup eating thing, which I love. 
Well, you can't love it if your dude does it. Uh, if it's if it's a stupid move, then it's stupid when your dude does it. I don't like. Maybe it was because I saw all the damn people that dabbed last year who like sacked Cam once after he had run for like three touchdowns and thrown for four on him and was undefeated. And but like one dude would yeah. sack him, and, and every dude that sacked him would dab like they were so cool. And it was like, buddy, like this this isn't going to end well for you. But I don't know. I, I guess yeah. Obviously, I do accept that anytime you have a signature move, you run the risk of it being used against you. But uh, all right, I, Ice Stone Kicker, I love this man. Like, why did they call that timeout? I mean, obviously, the, 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 same, the same thought hit my head of like, so, uh, they, they I said their own guy here, but, but I didn't, even, I couldn't tell what the timeout was actually for. So that whole sequence was very unprofessional. God, they, they had a third and forever, and they threw like a, they, they, they called like a bubble screen that inevitably failed, and then they had to call, um, you know, so they they were late getting set up. Hopkins hit, you know, they they they, they made it, they got it together. Hopkins you know, goes through the motion, makes the kick, but Gruden was concerned about the formation, so he calls timeout, and then Hop goes back and misses it the second time. I mean, it was – and this is kind of becoming a thing for him now because he got successfully iced by, I forget, Harbaugh? I forget who did it earlier in the year, but, um, you know, he, he seems to have a hard time hitting it the second time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think you have Hopkins mentioned on there again, so I'll ask you quickly. Yeah, any concerns there? It's 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 really – unsettling watching a close football game knowing your kicker is shaky but it's also a little bit too late in the season to be cutting and signing people right yeah i I, um i i I wrote a tweet that that said it's i don't think it's at all time to bail or or to panic but it's you know we kind of up until you know maybe cincinnati um we were thinking that we had one of the best in the league. And, and now I think probably you got to adjust that a little bit because he has been shaky for the last few. I, I still, you know, if you're going on just the totally intangible, like field test, I feel pretty, pretty darn good about him. I mean, he missed two today, but one of them was, you know, the, 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 the shorter one, he blasted over the goalpost. Some of the angles made it look like it might've even been good. You need that Belichick, um, you need that Belichick uh, laser, dude, that Belichick laser, man. Yeah, exactly. I I, um, I still feel pretty good when he's lining up over it. I, I have some confidence in him. So to me, it's it's not you know. I, I think it's I'd give him a few more misses before I start worrying. But but yeah, you know, he, he's not. He might not be the uh, the stud we thought. All right. In the interest of moving Brent's notes along, I think we've hit the next two. Cuz under fire. You talked about yeah. dumbass red yeah. zone gimmick. We've talked about uh, Fuller exposed. Yeah. He had a bad game. Poor Kendall Fuller has had a few few tough games in a row. I mean, he's had a tough competition. Uh, Cole Beasley has become a very good slot receiver, and he also had Bryant in the slot several times tonight. But Fuller, um, well, they were definitely attacking him on purpose. Yeah, Harris flashes again. Yeah, Maurice Harris, the receiver we've talked about a few times in a row now. He didn't have I don't I don't know how many snaps he played, but he had a couple of really nice really nice catches. I think this guy is really turning into a, a good pro, and I think he's going to be a Redskin for a while. Clock botch. Yeah, I, I'm usually not super picky or, or spend a lot of time harping on clock management stuff, but at the end of the first half, there was this bizarre thing where um, Cousins completed a pass to Garcon down at the two-yard line, and they let like 15 or 18 seconds tick off before they called timeout. If, if they had just called it right away, um, on, on, the, on the ensuing play, they would have had the whole playbook available, but because they let it go all the way down and had none remaining, they had to throw a pass. And it was like this really predictable pass that got equally shut down, as it always does. 
So I, I think that that was a, a pretty pretty important problem there. Blame Cousins. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, w- uh, wasted, op- <laughs> wasted ops, FTL, is that just basically the end of the first half saying needed to score more touchdowns for as many times they were in the red zone? Yeah, yeah, basically. Wasted ops, that was the story. Uh, second half, OL failing to take advantage. You mentioned this a little. I, I thought that, that the Redskins' uh, offensive line, and again, they did prevent sacks, but um, I thought that, that it would be a real um, strength that, that they would uh, – um, be able to keep Cousins upright all game, and they just they, they didn't take advantage of their perceived uh, superiority there. Easy button? Easy button, uh, as many of my Twitter followers will know, is my nickname for Jordan Reed. I think he's like hitting the easy button. Gotcha. And, um, you know, we, we, we've kind of glossed over him at this point, but he was an outright star tonight. He um, injured himself yeah, pretty out. badly in the first half. And yeah. people said at halftime and then after the game, he couldn't even take his own shirt off. So he's in severe pain. But he just was totally uncoverable in the second half, had an awesome touchdown, and then an unbelievable one-handed grab down the sideline. Yep. Failed two. And then, and then of no. course, his second touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was out. Failed two. Field two was was I you know when they went for two after that after that first one um, I thought that it was a little too early in the game I think there was still eleven or twelve minutes left in the in, in the game um, it seemed like a lot more scoring was going to take place and of course it did and uh, and again not not necessarily because I, I hate the idea of being aggressive and trying to do but because the Redskins in particular are so bad at scoring from short yardage um, I just I, I thought that it, that he forced the issue and it was not the right play. Um, that was one just as a little personal story where I had dozed off. I, like the Redskins were driving, I think, and I, and I, or, or, I and I and I woke up and I saw that dude. Uh, was it Lee, the linebacker, pick off the two in the in the end zone? And I thought it was yeah, like, yeah. I, I thought it was a, a, a interception, not like a failed two point conversion. Right. I was like, ah, oh. right. Ah, like, oh, no, they got six points. <laughs> uh, hey man, it's Thanksgiving. Dak is real. You a believer in in Prescott? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I was, uh, I think we've been patient enough. He, um, I'm not sure that he'll be, that he has, you know, six Pro Bowls in his future, but um, he's a good player. He's, he's going to be a problem. 11 fire on third and one. Yeah, that was for D. Jackson's touchdown, which yeah. was like a, a pretty, you know, 40 some yard pass on, uh, on, it was, it was just a gutsy call on third and one. And boy, he just, he totally dropped his guy. So, He's, um, I think reports of his demise were a little premature. He's definitely still got it. Cousins looked around on that play. I, I didn't feel like he was, I mean, maybe he knew, maybe he saw that it was one-on-one and his plan was to look to his left as he backed up and then drop and fire. But I, was, I wasn't 100% sure if he went into that with, with Jackson as the primary receiver. Again, it was third and one, but I, I found that play to be interesting both in the play call, you know, they weren't afraid to do it. And then in Cousins not being afraid to, to say, well, maybe I should be going for the first down here. But no way, man. My guy just burned, dude. I'm, I'm letting it fly. So, um, I was, yeah, I, I found that cool. Surprise OSK. Yeah, that's the onside kick. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I, I think it's another one that I'm, I'm not going to absolutely destroy Gruden for. But it, it, to me, it felt too, too early. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if they get it, everyone's like, he's a genius. There were maybe eight and a half minutes left in the game when he did that. And um, even though you maybe are only giving up 20 or 25 yards worth of field position um, by, by not recovering your own onside kick, uh, I, I thought it was too early. I thought that um, he needed to give his defense every possible chance of getting a stop. So 
it didn't work out and I probably wouldn't have done it. Now I'm with you. You use the phrase overthinking between the, the, the gadget play on first and goal that the going for two earlies, the onside kick earlies, it did feel a little bit like overthinking. Eighty six silly, we've kinda hit on more Jordan Reed. Yeah, one-handed catches and whatnot. I think I, I think we've hit the rest of these. Cuz debate over. You gave a nice little spiel on, and I'm sure you'll do a bumper yourself so you can take some more so, solo credit for that. On, <laughs> on, on, uh, and then better team one, which is kind of the thing. The tough part is, the you know the Redskins do look good. They look like they just uh, went toe to toe with Dallas on a short week in Dallas, and Dallas seems to be one of the best teams. But the math is not in uh, in Washington's favor right now as they're sitting third in the division, huh? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to um, – they may not have to win out. I mean, they could, in theory, still finish with 11 wins, but there's not there's not much room for error left, and they're going to need the division, the rest of their division games. Yeah, um, tough to be in a bad division. And that uh, it, it's interesting that at the time, what was it, the second game of the year, Dallas versus Washington, nobody knew – what those teams were then. And so it was a uh, right. kind of a forgotten game. And now will be a very important game. Obviously not as closely watched. I think tonight, this one. part part of the, part of the, the, um, the formula tonight was definitely going to be forcing some turnovers. And it was never like a real good likelihood because Dallas, you know, Prescott has been very, very secure with the ball lately, but they couldn't get any. And they just desperately, desperately needed at least one, maybe a couple of them. So that's, the key with this defense is your beloved Redskins defense that you were trying to uh, uh, shoehorn into into the Redskins identity, as you could see today, that's not happening. But they, you know, if they can if they can bend a little but not break, and then even if they're going to break a little bit, they got to get a couple of turnovers, and they couldn't do it tonight. So that was it. I mean, they're just not going to be able to beat a team with this good an offense without taking the ball away. Look, maybe the defense watched the offense go march down the field the first two times and only get three points out of it, and we're a little disheartened, okay? I mean, mentally, you got to give <laughs> But that was only after they had gotten marched on themselves in the opening drive. So. Exactly. All right, that's yeah. a extra stuffed Thanksgiving edition, getting it done on the holiday. Uh, the, the boys play – I shouldn't say the boys because that's the, the opponent. The team played on Thursday, <laughs> so we're here to podcast on Thursday. Uh, and we'll be back, I guess, 10 days uh, from now. For Brent, I am Hayes for the Burgundy Blogcast. Talk to me.